0: Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center.
1: Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal and it's just before Mother's Day, and when you think of mothers, you think of flowers, you think of happiness, warmth, cozy, and yes, the mothers are are the best. I think the best. I'm a mother. I'm also a grandmother. And you know what? There's something about always remembering mom. And when you think of mom, you think of gardens and you think of flowers. It all comes together. So the poem I have today is for all you mothers. It's called My Mother's Garden. Her heart is like her garden, old-fashioned, quaint and sweet, with here a wealth of blossoms and there a still retreat. Sweet violets are hiding, we know as we pass by, and lilies pure as angels' thoughts are opening somewhat nigh. Forget-me-nots where linger to fulfill perfection brought, and there bloom purple pansies in many a tender thought. There's love own roses blossoms as from enchanted ground, and lavish perfume exquisite the whole glad year round. And in that quiet garden, the garden of her heart, songbirds are always singing, their songs of cheer apart, and from it floats forever Overcoming sin and strife, sweet as the breath of roses blown, the fragrance of her life. Mother's Day is kind of my indicator that if the weather is looking nice, it is go time to be in our gardens. When I say go time, it not necessarily means plant those impatience and plant some of the stuff. It means we are actively getting the preparation done for in our gardens. Uh, You know, a few weeks ago we were saying, okay, let's do a little walkabout, see what's happening. But now the conversation turns to gardening. Let's go to Helen. She's on the line. Hi, Helen. Hi. Good Uh, morning.
2: Yes. Uh, This is a beautiful morning here. I uh, want to know how do I look after roses? And somebody gives me a bunch of roses and they come on buds and beautiful. How do, what will, how do I look after them so they open up?
1: Okay, um, now the question is, is it a florist-type yes. little rose? Yes, it is. Okay, because when we are talking about roses, we know that we could have tea roses and hearty roses. And right now, being Mother's Day, we have these little tiny petite baby roses, and they're so sweet. So just like a, a plants that are roses outdoors, your little mini rose needs as bright light as you can give it if you have a balcony or um uh um, if you're in a home that has a sunny location you can even take it outside for some nice increased sunlight just be careful if it's a cool wind in the next couple bits but you'll want to bring it indoors if it gets cold at night now with roses too uh you want to make sure they're well watered and let the soil get slightly dry between waterings before you water it again okay
2: okay but i'm i'm thinking about cut flowers Long stemmed roses.
1: Oh, long stem roses. Okay, here you got the grower side of me, which, okay. <laughs> it, uh, Helen, I've got dirt under my nails, so everything when I talk about plants is usually associated with dirt. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> or, understand that. <laughs> or I correctively should say soil. Uh, years ago someone used to tell me that the dirt was on the floor and the soil was in the pot so yeah (laughs) yeah. but okay with long stem roses if you were given some long stem roses uh, generally what they normally like to say is you want to put a fresh cut on that stem to open up the flow of the energy that goes into the roses to keep them long so if you were gifted them I would probably take two inches And use a nice secateur or kitchen scissors to make a nice clean cut to open up that flow so that the roses can pull up some of that moisture.
2: And that's it? And they'll
1: open up? They will open up, yeah. If you were given a bouquet and they're going through it, the ones that are partially open should open, yes.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Okay, but it's important to give a fresh cut on the bottom.
2: Yes, well, I always do that. Okay, thank you very much.
1: You're very welcome, Helen. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Happy Mother's Day. And it's just like fresh-cut flowers. And sometimes and you may have heard me saying that when we did pussy willows outside, uh, we sometimes get the guys to go uh, into the sort of the soggy areas. They usually put on their long, tall boots. And usually uh, they know that I'm saying, hey, people are asking for pussy willows. Let's go into the fields and get some. So we always give a nice, clean opening. And the other thing I forgot to mention, Helen, is whenever you're putting... Uh, stemware or flowers or um, like cut flowers into a vase. We want to make sure that we also use our secateurs or our scissors to remove the leaf, the leaves from the stems that go into the moisture, into the water. We don't want the, the leaves in the water because that just makes it mold and rotting and that's not a good thing. Okay, so we want it nice and clean and crisp. And uh, depending on the longevity of the roses that you've got, you will want to change your water so that keeps it fresh, all right? And Mother's Day, it's the Mother's Day weekend, so I could just imagine everyone's looking at flowers right now. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. We're going to go right to the line. Hi, Sharon. Hello. Hi. How are How- you today? I'm very good. And where are you calling from today, Sharon?
0: I'm calling from Hillside Beach.
1: Wow, hello. Is, I, I bet you it's nice and sunny out there too. It is.
0: It's a gorgeous day. A little Wonder- bit of a breeze, but it's, it's a lovely day. Beautiful
1: sunny morning. That's great. How can we help you on the Lawn Garden Journal today?
0: I purchased a uh, candelabra hydrangea. And my question is, can I plant it now, or do I have to wait till there's no frost at night?
1: Okay. Well, the one thing about buying and doing nursery stock and trees and shrubs and perennials <coughs> of that is, uh, in some instances, if you got your hydrangea, if it's in, is it in leaf or is it in bare root form?
0: Oh no, it's in leaf.
1: Okay. So if it's in leaf, then I would probably say you're going to want to uh, just, pre- like, you're going to want to baby it for a little bit, because I think in the weather ahead, we might get some cold nights a little bit ahead. So Okay. I, yeah. Unless there's the, always the condition, too, that if you do candelabra um, hydrangeas, like it's like, okay. Two trains of thoughts. Either baby it, because there's a risk that you might get some uh, frost tipping on the new leaves, or you can do the bed sheet and start covering with bed sheets just if you get some frosty days. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, right now I've
0: got it in my um, screened-in gazebo, which is covered with plastic. So (laughs) it's like a greenhouse in there. So. It will be fine in there, though,
1: right? Yeah, it will be fine in there. Just remember, if it's in a screened-in room, uh, sometimes the screened-in rooms that have plastic on them in, in a hot day, they get hot. So make sure that you're looking after the water portion of it. Uh, make right. sure it's well watered. And uh, mm-hmm. it looks like you're going to have fun planting it um, coming up. I know that the weather, the weather is starting to warm up a little bit more and more each day, So, which is mm-hmm. uh, great. And also check, too, because some areas on some of our north side of our greenhouses, I know through here, I've been out uh, looking at some stuff, and there's still some coldness on the north side of properties, all right? So we've still got to wait, wait for we things We still to have up.
0: a bit of ice on the lake, so.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh I would probably baby it a little bit longer, make sure that the security and that the earth is warmed up because that's the other culture shock that you have is if you have something that is in leaf and if you do plant it into a cold ground, that will cause a little bit of a shock to it. Okay? Okay. Thank you Our, very much. you enjoy welcome. your show and you have a great day. Y- you too. Thank you very much, Sharon, for calling and uh, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's so fun to be able to go and see what's happening. Uh, I know with certain restrictions that are coming up and that, but uh, I have to say that gardening gives everyone the capacity to be in their backyards and being developed, and it makes us feel good inside, up in the head, and in our bodies. We're going to go right back to the lines. Kathy is next. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Uh,
2: I got a gland uh, plant uh, that was blooming and um, it is finished blooming. How do I get it to rebloom?
1: Okay, now the calanchos, if somebody's going out there and some people don't know what a calancho is, it's, maize, uh, it's almost like a succulent type of uh, plant. It's mostly as a house plant in our area. You can eventually plant it outdoors for the summer. What you're going to do is where the old flower sets are, you're going to follow down the stemming of that to the first top leaf that is the traditional leaf of the calancho. And then you can cut back that, that, uh, spent blooming. Okay. Okay. And calanchos will sometimes be able it, it's like our, if I equate it to like tulips or something like that, it needs to go through a resting period before it reblooms. So in essence water, when it gets slightly dry between watering, it, When it's non-blooming, it can go even a little bit drier, but not like a cactus. And they like high, light areas. Okay? So you're basically going to have a nice, succulent-looking plant until the new bud sets form, which could be in a few months.
2: Uh, um, I cut off um, parts, cut it down shorter. I didn't cut it down quite that low, though. And um, I rooted... um the, the, the parts I cut off.
1: Yeah, you could try doing that. Oh, when I said uh, cut back the flower to the first top leaf, not the bottom leaf. So you would cut it to, as soon as you see the stemming that hits the first top leaf of the true leaf, that's where you would just pinch the blossom off. Uh,
2: I can't hear you very well. Uh, cut oh. it down to what?
1: Well. well, you follow the leaf, you follow the flowering stem to the first top leaf, and then you would cut it off there. Okay. Not the lowest leaf on the bottom that's up from the soil. It comes where it rests on the top, leaf on the top. Okay. Okay? But, but and you could try... They got, um, they got to be quite long, though. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do, because as they grow, it almost like a, the blooming becomes this tendril type of blossom, because they kind of stack each other up on there. So you can cut that back.
2: Yeah, I can cut that back. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay? And and um, I, I rooted some... And they rooted very easily. Um, but they're quite long. Is it okay to cut them back? Would they push yes. out a bit more?
1: Yes. With any type of calancho in some of our tropical plants and our annual plants, pinching is key to getting plants to bush out and to thicken. And I'm a huge endorser of even doing hanging baskets and, and container pots right down to petunias and calabrochias. I love shearing them up a little bit because I like the density of a a fuller plant. Okay, Okay? so that's a yes. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome, Kathy. Bye-bye. Thank you for calling. There are so many different ideas that you can do. Like even when we're thinking of categories, we're getting a lot of uh, from stem roses to houseplants. Let's see what Walter has for us. Hi, good morning, Walter. Good morning, how are you? I'm very good. Where are you calling from today? Sunny St. James. Sunny St. James. Well, St. James. Hello, St. James. Good morning.
3: Uh, Good morning. Good morning. I got an apple tree, a crab apple tree that's probably 40 years old because we've been here for 51 years or 52 years and we planted it here, but I think it's about 40, maybe 42 years. And it's, it's, it's always got a lot of apples on it. The apples are not the best thing, but they're just nice tree because we sit underneath it for for shade. But anyway, she's starting to
1: peel. Oh, the bark is starting to peel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sometimes we see that in mature trees. uh, This may be sort of part of an aging aspect, or sometimes we see it if it's is it peeling on the south side of the tree.
3: You know, it's kind of peeling all over the place.
1: Here and there, you
3: know, like uh, the north side, south side, and 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 and, it's, it's, uh, and I went to some place, It was kind of bare, and I sprayed it with with that black stuff for the for the few pruning, you know, because I cut a couple of branches off there and I sprayed it, and that doesn't. It, it it just keeps peeling the whole works off. The paint, everything coming off.
1: Yeah, because when we see that uh, bark is either splitting or peeling that's on it, sometimes uh, some of the things that we can see is uh, sun scald. Sun scald will cause uh, peeling, and that's the rapid temperature changes oh, yeah. from sunlight and the coldness. Uh sudden bursts of growth, which means that the moisture and the cambiums of the flow of fluids up and down, if it's a high surgence of it, the it's like your skin swelling right away. It gets very tight if you have too much fluids. It's the same thing in a yeah, in a yeah. tree that it could cause that. Uh sometimes even birds bark uh drilling holes, I know sap suckers, and then uh frost cracks will also do that.
3: Well I I seen this year. I've never seen a chickadee uh, dig a hole. I cut, cut a big branch up, or oh, maybe last year. Or, and now it, I have painted it up and everything. And uh, somehow I heard chickadee digging somewhere or Some she flies out. She's already dug her dug herself a hole into the branches. About maybe. Three and a half inches, maybe three inches in diameter.
1: So, okay. Um, the other portion, though, that we should tell you that if, in some aspects, too, um, I don't want to scare you, but sometimes there could be a disease that's in the inside of the tree that could be uh, causing the bark to peel off as well. So, if it's, uh, it could be a pest that's underneath the cambium of the new growth that's on it. But if you can maybe, if there's a little piece, and it depends on how far back it's peeling, sometimes if you lift it, if you can maybe investigate to see if you see any infestation of bugs back there. Any okay? bugs? Yeah. Sometimes a, um, a pest or a disease will cause a, a bark off of a tree to peel off as well.
3: I might come up sometimes to, to your place there, and uh, maybe I bring a piece to show to you.
1: Yeah, you can do that, but just please bring it to me in a clear plastic Ziploc bag, okay? Yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you can see. Well, I just might come up because some. I was on there not too long ago with my neighbor. She picked up something from you there.
1: Oh. Well, thank you, thank you. But uh, any type of things like we always try to think of it's the natural. uh Nice way of this tree splitting, but not to scare you, but in some instances too, loss of bark is indicative of maybe disease or infestation of bug. Okay?
3: Well, okay. I, I just thought I'd ask because I I kind of like that tree. We don't care too much for the apples, but, but they're sure nice shade.
1: Oh, it is. You know what? You just gave me some nice memories of my mom and dad sitting in the backyard under their apple trees. Oh,
3: same thing. This is good. I got... When when it's clear clear coast, not at this quarter nineteen, we got one neighbor from the back, one from the side comes over, and we have union meeting every day, every night.
1: <laughs> yes, it's called fence conversation, yeah, and you uh, know what? I love it. If you're in your backyards, you know what? Through this, uh, you know what's happening right now. If it's a little bit of harmony, and you're probably talking more to your neighbors than before.
3: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, but we don't. Don't get together as much as we uh, Not, Not, we not. Don't, we don't get like lots of neighbors, but just we got a couple of neighbors come over. And we, you know, we just, we, like I said,
1: well, yak. Yeah. Now yeah. make a
3: fire going and we sit there and we sit there and yak.
1: Well, you know what? It's nice to be able to be outside, but we'll just have to be a little safe in the next few weeks coming up, okay? Right. All
3: right. Thank right, you for ma- calling. You and have yourself a good day.
1: You too, Walter. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye-bye. That is so much conversation. And you know what? Gardening, and if you see it, and I see it in our communities, a lot more people are outdoors and they're walking and it's spatially where they can be outdoors and enjoy that time frame. And what great conversation if you're having over the fence with a neighbor as to sort of what's happening in your garden. Maybe there's different ways and, and helping each other too. Maybe they have an issue with the tomatoes. Maybe they can give you some advice too as well. Gardening is good. It's good for us all. So anyway, what I wanted to preempt this to before somebody had some of the callers, and yes, the lines are open, 1-800-374-3315, is when we start on caring for our yards. I know that we've been, possibly now is a good time to start raking up those leaves. We kind of endorse not raking up too much because our temperatures were cold and there are beneficial bugs in those leaves and in underneath the tuft of some of those shrubs. And if we woke them up too soon, there would have been a detriment to some of these good guys that help us in our gardens. So I think it's getting clear sailing that we can now start pulling some things away and cleaning things up. And the first thing that comes to sort of form in here is getting the lawn looking good. And whether you have vole damage And vole damage is a clear indication that when you're starting to do your thatching and your raking, that you have these mindless little rampant trails running all the way through your yard. Now, that's probably because the rooting system of your lawn has been chewed up by some voles that are underground. And this gives you an indication that you want to improve the health of your lawn it's a great time to maybe do a little bit of additive of some busted up peat moss for a nice underlay after you've thatched it, and doing a top dressing of some grass seed on top. Now, when they say, which blend do I use? there's uh, When you visit your garden centers, there's probably a whole collection of different types of grass seed that are out there. And most lawns have a three-way blended mix of a mixture, and in that, it's usually a rye, a fescue, and a Kentucky blue. So uh, just a little bit of hint, if you're top dressing, uh, if you want to put the peat moss down, peat moss is a nice little additive. It gives that sponginess. It holds moisture. And just think, three pounds of grass seed does a 1,000 square feet of overlay for a existing lawn, and you will have to keep the moisture on it for up to 21 days because you have three blended grass in there but you're going to encourage a nice, healthy lawn, and if you have a nice, thick, healthy lawn, that is a debt that is a deterrent from weed seeds actually getting in contact to the ground below. Yahoo! Less weeds. Let's go to the line. Haiti is next. Hello, Haiti. Hi there. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good. And where are you calling from? Boysavain. Boys. Well, good morning, Boysavain.
4: Yes. thank you um my question is i have an amber jubilee nine bark and the um trunk of it it's not a very it's probably i don't know it was um created for the queen's jubilee so that's how old it is but the bark of it is all peeling and scaly and it doesn't look healthy
1: okay on on some of the nine barks they naturally have that little bit of uh, peeling Okay. that's on it. So in some instances, I probably wouldn't be um, too concerned okay. that's on it. Yeah. But if it gets to the point where it's uh, really, really causing the effect, where it's opening up too much that's on it, yeah. uh, there could be also, again, we talked about uh, diseases and fungal and that kind of stuff. But nine barks naturally kind of have that, peely rough bark that's on there
4: yeah we sprayed it with dormant spray yep very early when we did our cotoniaster and just hoping that that would help that i'm sure that didn't hurt it any
1: yeah no that will not and actually the dormant oil lime sulfur Mm -hmm. is a really good additive for prevention of some bugs and diseases from overwintering yep yeah, but yeah, we were
4: doing it during that early, early uh, warm spell in March. I believe we did some of the spring, too, in November after everything was um, done and everybody lost their leaves.
1: Yeah, so it you did it perfect because when you apply it, you have to apply it before the leaves open Yep. yep. in the spring, mm-hmm. and then you can reapply it in the fall after the leaves have dropped.
4: Yep. Okay, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and we were hoping that would help it, but, um, you know, I guess time will tell.
1: Yeah, because the bark will peel because it will has that reddish, like it's got that reddish to light brown inner bark that's on it. You yep. do get right. that outer, it's almost like a shedding of the old skin to reveal that new colorant. Oh, okay. So I'll keep okay. a close eye on it and see what happens. Okay, wonderful. Well, one of
4: our neighbors said, "Too no, I think that's a trait of a nine bark, and I wasn't aware of that." So yeah, it is.
1: It, they have that kind of that shedded barky kind of look to it. So okay, but if it gets down to the part where it's uh, a detriment that you see on, especially the main trunk, the the main branches that come from the base. Yeah. If it opens and looks like it's coming to the very old hardwood. Yeah. I would be more concerned if it was at the crown than in the tipping and the smaller branches. Okay. Great. Okay. Thanks for your help. You're very welcome.
4: Thanks a lot. Bye bye.
1: You're, you're very welcome. Bye bye. And let's go right to lines. We're gonna go right to lines and Hetty is next. Hi Hetty. Hi. Hi, good morning. I have, I have, good morning.
0: I have a problem with quack grass. I think that is what it is. Broad leaf. Yes. And then the in the back and it lies down like when you when you want to cut it it just kind of lays flat. <laughs> Lay it flat, and you can get it, and and it looks terrible. And how is the best way to get rid of it besides Roundup?
1: Oh yeah, it's a hard one. Like even again, um, oh, it's it's almost like you want to have encourage a better lawn. So I'm always a one that says if you can encourage the thickening of good grass and good seed then it will help to eradicate the old stuff. It's almost like the strength and the stronger one will survive. So overseeding it with uh other uh grasses to see if you can get the vigor of your lawn thicker on there mm-hmm. will help to remove it because it is a hard one to get rid of and honestly you do not want to be putting roundup in your lawn, right? Because then you're well. going to be going on everything <laughs> else. Okay? Well, yeah, then then it all dies and then you start over. Yeah, and you know what? And I'm notorious. If I see it even getting into my gardens, I'm I'm quickly to pull it, till it, bring it up, and try and remove those wheat the, the existing weeds. Because even if you yeah. leave a little bit, even if you leave a little piece in the garden, it that's will grow. Even, oh, yes, it will grow. <laughs> it yeah, will grow. I, I
0: know. I was told that you had to go on your hands and knees and dig it all up by by hand, and I'm not going to do that.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's one of those. Much. Yeah, it is. Yeah. If in and the thing is if it gets to the extensive side of it being in there, uh that's why I always say encourage the healthiness of the other existing uh grass seed mm-hmm. to help eliminate and choke out the other. Okay? Yeah.
0: Well, this is my second summer here. So, it was here when we when we moved here. So yeah. I, I don't know. The front is good, but the backyard isn't as big, which is good. But uh, I don't, I don't like it. I was cutting yesterday, and it just all lies down and stayed there. Like you can't even cut it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, if you get some larger patches, I know with my uh, sometimes with it a uh, little bit, maybe even getting a knife and pulling it around and popping it up, maybe something that you can do as, as that. Okay. Okay. All, all right. right. Thank you. You're all very right. welcome. Thank you for calling. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal, and we were talking earlier. Remember, if you have other questions and you don't want to learn about grass or lawn, you can give me a call at 1-800-374-3315. But I want to give you some tips on your lawn, because that's one thing that we can do now before the new lush growth keeps going. And yeah, some people have asking and phoning in and sort of saying, do I water my lawn now? yes. This is the time that after you've laid down your new grass seed and the reason why we say it's perfect now to put the seed down is we know in the morning it's cool. We know in the morning we have this dew on the on the lawn. That is moisture that is going to help you with less watering to get the activation of the germination of your of your stuff. But just remember in certain areas Water is maybe a little bit uh, light right now. So if you're in an area that has a water ban, this dew on the ground, doing it sooner, is going to help. Because then that's the alternative from watering. Then you can just use the dew naturally, which is happening with the change in temperatures. So that might be a win thing. So just remember, our water table is low. So if there's an area that you can do some watering you can do it if you have a natural well that you can use. But remember, if I know that some of you in Morden have a, a ban right now. So there's other things that maybe can be done. All right. Now, if you're wanting to fertilize, there was a couple questions of as to saying, okay, when do I fertilize? You can actively put some lawn food down now, and it will start to activate with growth, with heat, and when we do get those rains that when they come. If you're looking for them, uh, the one that I kind of like to use is Scott's Turf Builder. And when you're looking at it, I also like, there's some uh, grass fertilizers that are out there with your high nitrogen number. Remember, no phosphorus, but the potash, because you can't put phosphorus on your lawns anymore. But there's a nice new key that's in there, and it's iron. So if you put some iron in there, that's going to help to green things up really nice when we do get those rains. All right, let's go right to the line. The Sean is next. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Carla. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Just
5: a quick question about uh, petunias. I wanted to know, uh, I understand the Grandiflora are about the largest blooming ones, is that correct?
1: Yeah, they get very large. Let's say they almost get that roughly huge outside edge.
5: Okay. Now, I'm looking for the most fragrant
1: one. Oh. ah uh. okay fragrant petunias would, oh. it
5: be in, would it be in the purple zone or
1: well fragrant petunias they kind of emit a fragrance and most of the fragrances are, are are in the evening we find that but i don't know which one would be the most fragrant is that i probably would not know Okay. Um, but Grandifloras are, are usually in that capacity. Um, you know what, I would ha- I would probably have to look that up. That, I'm not too sure. You stumped me this morning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that well, usually, I don't
5: know. Usually the purple, deep purple ones are the most fragrant, I think. But uh, I just thought I'd get your opinion on that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I know that there's certain capacities of it, but I know that they're all sticky. There you go. I know that they come in a full range of colors, but I didn't really know that the purples were more scented. But I have to tell you, when we're at the garden center here, if we're walking down the row of petunias, they, that aisle does have a scent to it. And I go, okay, if I close my aisles, I'm in the petunia aisle. Because yeah. there is something about that. Yeah. yeah,
5: and especially in the evening as
1: well. Oh, the scents all... Uh, you know what, I was here late. Well, I'm here late er, almost every day. But I had the opportunity to work close to the lavenders last night. We have this whole collection of a lavender nook. And just by brushing my hand over top of the lavender... And it was around 9 o'clock. It was this whole area just enveloped with this fresh lavender scent. It was right. so soothing. Yeah. So, yes, you are bang on. Uh, yeah. the, now, yep. can
5: you give me another fragrant annual that's similar to petunia, or can you think of something?
1: Yeah, Nicotiana.
5: You can uh, do Nicotiana at oh, night. Oh, that the tobacco plant?
1: Yep. Yeah, the Nicotianas want- are scented. Okay that and that one is beautifully scented that 's in there, one of the other ones that's probably uh which is really uh that I love more is uh heliotrope. Have you ever grown that one
5: heliotrope i don't heliotrope, think
1: heliotrope. I have. yeah heliotrope. Oh, yes,
5: I have yeah that sort of smells like vanilla yes it, it's a purple flower isn 't it
1: yeah, it smells like some people say it smells like baby powder, some people say it's uh you know that other scent, and then when you're looking at some of the other ones, um, okay. If you can find some garden stock, like stocks.
5: Yes, evening scent of stock. I plant yeah. that all the time.
1: Yeah, there's stocks.
5: It, it's not a very pretty flower, but it sure smells nice.
1: Well, I think it clusters really pretty, but then as, as like when it starts to die off, it does get a little muddy. That's on there. Right. That's on it. Uh, sweet alism. Like your um, alyssum that's in there. You, a lot of people use it as a, be, a, 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 a edging.
5: I do love the alyssum, but then it goes to seed, and I can never get it to reflower again.
1: Okay, all right. Try four o'clocks. Have you ever tried four o'clocks?
5: No, I haven't.
1: No. Well, you can try four o'clocks. Four o'clocks. And then, yeah, four o'clocks. And then why not lavender? I gave you lavender.
5: Right. Yeah.
1: Okay, and then there are some Nemesias, and there's uh, a plant called Nemesia, and uh, Sweet Innocence, it's a white, it's beautifully scented.
5: Okay, I got that.
1: Okay, and then what else is there? Um, You know what? Uh, I think there's also, okay, hang on. If you have room for some climbing plants, you could try some of the... um, Um, there's a white, it almost looks like a white morning glory. It's called moonflower.
5: Yeah, I tried that. I had no luck with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I find you have to start that early though for it to really bloom. You want to start that early.
5: Oh, the vine grew just lovely, but I never got a flower off the bloody thing.
1: Oh no. Well, that's not good.
5: No, it isn't. But you gave me a few choices here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't forget there's still flocks. You can do flocks. You can do sweet peas. Um, i you know what, you got my brain going now. Uh. Um, that's in there, but stocks is in there, some violas also, but any of uh, even some verbenas and lantanas. Because when you're thinking of verbena and lantana, these are cascading plants, and not necessarily the flower is scented, but the foliage is scented too. Okay, like, you, like it has lantana has this very spicy scent that's to it, that's really quite nice.
5: Okay, you gave me a good list. You check out those petunias now and see what you can find.
1: Okay, you're going to have a vision of me going down and testing all these petunias today. Okay, <laughs> thank, thank you, you so very much. much. Okay, you're very welcome. And if you want to try something in the perennial department, uh, you haven't even gotten into the capacity that we have. And yes, if you're, if you're close by, if you can go smell some of the irises, there are some new... Germanica irises that are a repeat blooming series, but they're also delicately scented. And you know, oh, also citrosa, citronella. And if you get into some of the regal geraniums or the citronella scented geraniums, you can get ones that smell like roses and lemon and oranges. So it just keeps going, keeps going. All right. It is Mother's Day. Please listen. My mother kept a garden, a garden of the heart. She planted all good things that gave my life its start. She turned me to sunshine and encouraged me to dream, fostering and nurturing the seeds of my self-esteem. And when the winds and rain came, she protected me enough, but not too close because she knew I'd need to stand up strong and tough. Her constant good example always taught me right from wrong. Markers for my pathway that will last a lifetime long. I am my mother's garden. I am her legacy. I hope today she feels the love reflected back from me. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.